Just a little backstory on Jason and I. We've known each other for several years. Um, I recorded his band in the early 2000s. I think we've... Or mid-2000s. Yes. Um, and then uh, we uh, ran into each other at a gig years, years later. And he had mentioned that he was podcasting. And so I had this idea to talk um, in this industry with these people. You people. You people. <laughs> what do you mean, you people? You people. <laughs> and uh, uh, so he had said he'd, he'd done at that time, like, 600 episodes of podcasting. I'm oh, my like, gosh. Okay, well. Legit. You know, you, you form the team, right? And so Jason was my That's immediate awesome. first choice to go, okay, so let's do this. And he was like, okay. Yeah. So That's he awesome. comes in, and he's the he's the guy who uh, brings the 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 fan questions, which right, are really right. interesting. You know, the, um, it's just an easy way to... He and I aren't quite finishing each other's sentences yet, but <laughs> soon, <Getting> there. soon, <laughs> very soon, it is getting there. So, uh, Sean, welcome to Unscripted Narrative. Uh, we are recording, okay, so we can begin. Good. I like to start it out right away. How do you say that last name? Yeah, <laughs> it's a tricky one. It's yeah. tricky. It's Italian, and the double C's have that kind of ch sound, so it's Picciano. Picciannino. That's, wow. that's fun to say. Buongiorno. That's not so bad, actually. Cool. cool. So the other day I went to Picciannino's. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's good. It's good. I yeah. Like there's it. a there's a town in in Italy with that name. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. And there's with uh, your last name? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And there's also I think a string of uh, shops too that have that have that name. What? what? What's the it basically the it means like small town or oh. hmm. young boy like there's a kind of a different connotation you can have to it right yeah, yeah. Interesting. interesting that is nice. so I I obviously just like many of the guests Michael has worked with you I don't I don't know much about you so I just I do the work I look it up and is there anything you don't do is the question really <laughs> that's really the question you know um, <laughs> so I, I'll start off by saying this I grew up in the theater my my father was a drama professor at a university up in North, Northern Cal and he directed two plays a years uh, a year he produced Shakespeare in the park so I was literally on stage from like five years old and behind stage, mm. backstage. So I kind of learned all the different positions. Yeah. I was building, helping build sets and, and all of that stuff. So I think, uh, and I just loved that creative medium. Sure. And so when he, he's the one, Barry is his name, Barry Piccinino, uh, brought me my first camera at like 11 years old, which he, he brought from the university, I believe. Yeah. And he's like, I think you'll, you know, like doing this and of course i started doing the short films the stop motion and mm -hmm. the you know my own music videos or whatever mm -hmm. and um that's really where it started and i i um i uh started uh writing and directing and editing commercials in my hometown oh no kidding at like 16. wow, wow. i did my first commercial i think at 16. Hmm. and just kind of as a fluke and then the the local like cable affiliates like from fox and stuff like that they contacted me and they're like you want to do more of those Let's go to these local mom and pop shops and Snowball pitch them. And... You know, I did probably like 20 commercials in my hometown before I moved uh, for college uh, and all of that. But what hometown is that? Chico. Oh, okay. Up in uh, Northern California, cool. about an hour north of Sacramento. Mm -hmm. um, Your family still live there? My parents still live there, and I've got aunts, and and yeah, we we kind of moved up there, and the family kind of migrated up there. Um, 
and so yeah, I've got quite a bit, quite a bit of family cousins and stuff that still live up there, and, right. and I go there at least twice a year. Yeah. And we, uh, at an early age, did you have anything that you were getting? For you, you were going, oh, I really like this part of this. Like, right, right. You know, it was like sets or the directing, you know, producing or whatever yeah. at that point. Where where were you going, oh, I, I think I like this part. So, uh, Or I, was it all of it? <laughs> it? It was kind of like the whole, j- just the idea of entertaining people. Mm-hmm. It, you know, that thing, like bringing a smile to somebody's face, like right. being able to affect somebody's mood even. Yeah. Uh, I actually did a lot of comedy and improv and all that stuff. Um, now you're pretty early his, on. Now you're talking yeah. his world. Right you there. are, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm very rusty these days, but I used to be really in that. Uh, I even did this uh, crazy thing where um, I was kind of a mascot for a baseball team for a while. And again, it's just something I fell into, and like people made banners for me. They called me Kid Crazy because I would do backflips off the dugouts and do all these crazy things. Right. They had this Mission Impossible <laughs> music they'd play, mm-hmm. and I'd climb upside down like on this whole railing above the... Super dangerous. Right. Yeah. No <laughs> regulations. <laughs> right. But I was I was parkouring over things before that was even a thing. Right. You know, it was Jack, I was watching Jackie Chan movies yeah. and going, I could run up that wall. Uh-huh. And, you know, <laughs> So it kind of became uh, you know, just, just that thing of, of affecting somebody's day. Like, like you know, even if they're having a bad day, if I sure. could make them smile, that, that really made me happy. And then with the camera, I started discovering that that's such a different medium. Like uh, on stage, you're playing to that last audience member, mm-hmm. that me- that audience member in the very, very back right. in the you know nosebleed seat. Mm-hmm. You want them to be able to see that emotion you're emoting. Right. So that's that's uh, one way of, of doing it. And then the film, it became, well, at that time, video camera. I discovered how subtle something could be and and you're delivering the same message right and uh, that fascinated me and that's when i really started getting into that and exploring that and i came from that's the small town i didn't even think about film school right like that was not even a uh inkling in my mind sure. i was like oh i gotta go to i gotta go to college and get a, my ged or not or not ged that you know what your I mean? your ba the, in, yeah. in film or whatever i didn't even think that right i didn't even think that i yeah. really just you know it was bizarre that i didn't even come to that conclusion uh it just was such a far away dream and, uh, but it was happening for you anyway, right there. <laughs> it was happening, yeah. And then I, I, I did short films when I moved down to Southern California for college. I, with my cousin Jeremy and and a good friend Shane, we we made this short film, and it's the first thing we kind of like tried to get into the local festivals and stuff. And and uh, again, it was mostly comedy, so we were we were having just a blast with it. And um, it wasn't until I met my wife where. Uh, and I got married very young, but she was like, why, why are we, because we were in San Diego. She's like, why are we here? You, you should be up in L.A. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. Like, let's move to L.A. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. We did that like within a week. Oh, wow. Moved to L.A. And, yeah. and uh, but while I was in college in San Diego, I did study film. I did the creative writing. I took a script writing class. Then I took, um, I took the same film, uh, film history class three semesters in a row. Mm. And of course they're like, you're getting no credit for this class. I'm like, I don't care because one semester was Hitchcock. The next it was Kubrick. The next semester it was, um, oh gosh. Uh, you know, so it was just, it was really cool. And we literally went through every one of their films. We broke it down, like all of that stuff. So I really, that's when I really started becoming a true like film. You know, I grew up growing up. I was always a film buff, but that's when I really started diving into it, started right. looking at Buster Keaton and, and all of these kind of guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, 
um, being inspired by them. Right. You you said something about the theater as being, and I actually have a question for my partner um, about the last person in the last seat in the, in yes, the corner. Yeah, like yeah. you're you're getting to them. Yeah. When you're doing stand up, when mm. you've done stand up, do you have that same sort of thing? Is or are you treating the whole room as as one? uh one focal point you know do you do you lean yeah, towards that you don't um you don't use the sort of pre projection that you would on a like as as an actor on, in the theater because you you really are trying to project there there's really you're not mic'd or anything like that so you don't have to fork, worry about that so much right um what you're just trying to you're just trying to create uh, like a conversation like they're part of this intimate conversation with you so you're doing that to the room that's that what whole, you're doing to yeah, the room you're trying it. to do that to the room that's you're trying to bring them into like you would in, in regular conversation, the, the jokes that come out in just regular conversation, right. you want them to be like they're they're sitting in the room with you and, right. and having that same sort of intimacy, really. Right. Uh, but it's different with theater. I think the reason why you projected the last one is because there's you're usually not mic'd up there. Yeah. You're yeah. it's it's really a projection of your voice, and you're trying to reach them mm -hmm. and I, and emotion and emotion because as well, if you yeah. do that subtle snicker, yeah, most people are not going to see it. Sure, you know is what there, I mean. Sure. Is there a war going on? Do you hear they're, all that noise? Yeah, they're doing uh, construction on the bill on the roof. I guess. Oh my God. I was like, is there is there a war outside of in Burbank? Burbank, the military is up and down Main Street today. Did you tell them we were recording today that they needed? They to don't shut give them? two. The things. tanks are rolling out. Yeah. Let me just say, comedy is one of those things, and especially stand up. It's such a incredibly brave thing. Like it is. Uh, I. Scary. It is very scary. Like I've performed my whole life. There's certain things. Music is one of them that mm -hmm. I I get real butterflies yeah, yeah. before playing music. You give me a mic and, and and I'll do some you know improv or just talk or just be a goof. It, like my comedy can be very physical because of the I've studied martial arts my whole life, so mm -hmm. that was always kind of a thing for me. But but to try and do stand up, I've never done that. And it's really terrifying to yeah. me. <laughs> it's it, it's the scariest thing I've ever done. I've I've played music, and music doesn't real. I don't really get nervous with music anymore like I used to. Uh, stand up. If I went up there today, I'd be I'd be scared. It's just it's it's very you're very nervous about it. Yeah. I don't know how to be relaxed about it. There's some comics that are so relaxed, and and what I what I mean by relaxed and, and comfortable is that if someone's heckling or someone's saying something from the crowd, they just they just roll with it, and it's not distracting right, to right. them or anything like that. They just right. make it part of the routine. Yeah. You know? yeah. And yeah. To me, I would be oh my god, now I forgot what I'm supposed where I'm supposed to go <laughs> next, what my right. next yeah. joke is. Right. So yeah, I think um. In a band scenario, it is much easier to be with people. But as you're up there sitting on a stool with one guitar and one microphone and like everyone like yeah. in comedy, everyone is looking at you. Yeah. And you're doing that by yourself and not relying on the vibe of, you know, the drummer or the bass player or whatever. I think there's a similarity there. However, we're not delivering jokes. But I think <laughs> right. trying not to. I think I think I've sing, been laughed at. singing yeah. though. I think could be akin to, yeah. to doing stand up because right. even you, even though you're up there with everybody, if you're if you're hitting raunchy notes, yeah, eh, yeah. I think there's a little bit more pressure on you as a singer than there oh, is for sure. everybody yeah. else. Yeah, yeah. So and I you would sing, say right? that's close. I, I just started. I mean, yeah, exactly. I'm not, very, not very good at so it. So you'd be scared. I mean, you you someone who's just starting would be very nervous yeah. unless you have pipes like Adele or something like <laughs> yeah. that but I think even her she has to get yeah. a little bit well, nervous all of, right? all of those people at that level talk about their like uh, Ed Sheeran's de original demo he played that on like the Ellen show or something it's awful yeah yeah 
I mean, his voice is awful. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so he's so talented. He's super he talented. What great are, songwriter. You know, yeah, really good. He's, yeah. Well, he's got one out recently called Blow. Have you guys heard that? Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. I haven't heard that it's one It's him, um, Chris Stapleton, mm. and Chris Stapleton. Uh, Bruno Mars. Oh, yes, I did hear this. It's I like just heard this. groovy guitar rip. And of course, it's Chris Stapleton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. So how, how like the martial arts thing, how do you integrate that in, inside what you do? So martial arts, I think, uh, you know, I was watching Jackie, of course, Bruce Lee, number one, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Jackie Chan, which from filmmaking standpoints, that also was very inspirational. Um, but uh, I, I started studying it because of watching those guys. And then uh, I'm a kid of the 80s, so I think uh, Karate Kid came out right at that impressionable time. Mm-hmm. I was 11 years old, I think. Uh, maybe I was 10 when Karate Kid came out. But by 11, I was like, I want to go train yeah. martial arts. And I found this really amazing dojo in, in my hometown uh, uh, that studied this very traditional Okinawan karate. And uh, it was very Karate Kid. It was like exactly wax what on, wax it, it was exactly <laughs> what uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Mr. Miyagi was teaching Daniel San. Okay. You know? So I totally latched onto that. And the the teachers were amazing. The master is absolutely incredible. Pat Haley is his name, uh, and he was recognized by the Japanese you know government. Like they have to decide who becomes a master in that system. Wow. And they had to like vote on this guy, and he's he's just really that good. And mm-hmm. he was able to. Um, keep this traditional form uh, going on, which, of course, martial arts as in of themselves have to adapt in order to be applicable in, right, in right. everyday life. Right. So it's not about that. But the, the forms themselves, he was uh, keeping with the tradition so well, and they were so impressed when, like, the, the grandmaster would come over and watch a hundred kids doing the form the same way it's been done for a hundred years. Wow. Where at a lot of schools you'll go to, because I've trained at many now, uh, you know, stuff gets changed, footwork gets a little bit t- tweaked, or yeah. maybe the master at that school goes, you know, this arm should be here or something like mm-hmm. that. But this guy really kept it exactly how it was taught because he went to Japan and trained so much and saw <laughs> what they're doing. Yeah. And, you know, here you have this grandmaster. He was 90 at the time that I was training. He came over and, you know, saw the kids doing our, our you know, kid push-ups. Sure. 90 years old, he dropped to the ground, did 100 in a row without breaking. And then wow. he said, that's a push-up. That was the, the grandmaster in that system. Wow. Nine, 90. That's impressive. He, he, was, he was Shuguro Nagazato. Wow. He was unreal. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I just got this great uh, grounded, um, and it was all about the real essence of martial arts and i'm so thankful that i got that i didn't i didn't end up in a school that was all macho and about beating people up this was the opposite of that and uh, i got some really great life lessons that have carried through in, in everything that i do including my career including not just getting into stunts and stunt coordination mm-hmm, and all that mm-hmm. but just even as a director i feel like it has helped me uh, as a problem solver um, and we can go into all sorts of that stuff because I got bullied in high school but, and I was able to fix it through psychological means from that teacher yeah. teaching me this stuff. Because yep. I was really honest to God, scared. I wasn't bullied my whole life, but in this particular situation, uh, basically freshman in high school, I got really bullied 
And uh, the stuff they were saying was like nowadays, these kids would probably be arrested. Sure. But back then, they're sure. telling me they're going to kill me every day. Mm-hmm. So I got really, really scared. And, and what this teacher did for me, he taught me all these things that he knew that I wanted to know. Hmm. Right. Uh, which was like with a pen and a pencil. He's like, don't ever bring a knife, you know, blah, blah, blah. But you have a pencil in yeah. your bag. That can be a weapon. If you're really, life is in danger. We, we had one of those like SWAT dummy things mm-hmm. to do all the nerve endings. <laughs> you know, he knew that's what I wanted to him to tell me. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, he was working on me psychologically. Right. And he started teaching me almost this script on what I was going to say to, to these boys amazing. and he and he also then came up with a strategy it was pr- pretty amazing stuff but he told me this is what you're going to do the one who the one who picks on you the most is there one that does yes of course you're gonna you're gonna confront him i know you don't want to but you're gonna confront him when he's alone you're gonna find that moment whenever he's alone and, and you make sure that none of the other guys are there you're gonna confront him and you're gonna tell him you know and he gave me this this wow. script and it was basically you keep threatening me we're gonna do this here and now Right. It's just me and you yeah. and you may win, but I'm going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to bite. I'm going to scratch. I'm taking you to the hospital with me. Right. And of course, I didn't even get that far into the speech when, when I really did it. Cause I really did it, confronted the guy and, uh, he was at the locker at his locker and I saw him alone. I'm like, going to do Ooh, it. Wow. And it's <laughs> a great story. <laughs> should be in a movie. Yeah. And, uh, I didn't even get through that speech and he's, I'm so sorry. We're just messing with Check you. Check it Never out. Never really wanted. And right. not, to, to, not just to that extreme. He then wanted to be my friend. Mm. Then took me around to these other guys like, you don't mess with this kid. Invited mm. me bowling. Oh, like, man, dude. <laughs> just the psychology yeah. was so amazing. So anyways, I had a wonderful teacher. And I think he taught me so much more than just how to punch and kick and choke and all of those yeah. things. Yeah. And, uh, and I've carried that through to the rest of my life. I had, when I moved down, uh, when I moved to LA, I found another teacher, um, for a very traditional Kung Fu system, but we also did uh, Hapkido and, and a bunch of grappling stuff. So it's not just, you know, Shaolin monk stuff. Right. Um, and, uh, wonderful teacher, uh, Steve Pisa. And, and I trained all the way up to a fourth degree black belt in that system. Um, but I've also trained Aikido, judo, uh, sport judo, and then jujitsu as well. I still tr- uh, train uh, BJJ and also MMA, mm-hmm. Muay Thai, yeah. as what I'm doing these days. And I've got two girls, two daughters, and they're both black belts in Taekwondo, nice. and they're they're training with the adults in, in BJJ. Oh wow, that's great! So martial arts is really it is a major part of my life. Yeah, and- I, I'm a adamant supporter of martial arts in the family, um, and I agree 100% that it's like it's a life skill you learn um the respect the handling of situations and our son um Jackie and I have now he's 18 but he started going to the uh local taekwondo ATA yeah um, and uh at three they made an exception for him at three because he got in there and he could follow directions at three Usually it's a four to five year old. Five, yeah, five is usually the youngest. Yeah. that's amazing. Three so they got him in amazing. at three. He fought, he did all the all the training all the way up through it and black belted at six. Like wow. he did all of his board breaks and all of his forms and everything. Right, it's amazing. Took some time off. I started training. Um, this is in uh, I was thirty eight, so that would be in two thousand eight, I guess. Um, I started training, started moving up in there, and then that's when the local MMA gym opened up, and then I migrated to that, got sick, took a year off to do all of that, and then went back and got my black belt. Nice. Um, 
and then started fighting and doing all that stuff. But the, the skills that you learn in a dojo are very pertinent to handling even a situation at the store. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like one of those things where you just, you go, Oh, Mr. So-and-so would tell me his voice ringing in your <laughs> yeah, head going, yeah. you just step aside and say, there you go. Yeah. Yep. You know, instead of going, yo, man, what the heck's up? <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. It's just an incredible thing. Highly recommend martial arts of any kind. Yeah. Yeah. Know? It's, it, it really is. It's, I think it translates, like you said, it translates to everything, mm -hmm. uh, dealing with problems on set. Um, I, it's where I really, I kind of cut my teeth, uh, directing, directing in television for this show called Deadliest Warrior. Um, which was on Spike several years ago now. Uh, but it was a really fun show to work on, but not a lot of money. And it was very ambitious. So like <laughs> uh, it would be situations like, oh, we're, we're going to recreate parts of the Battle of Thermopylae, <laughs> like 300. <laughs> and be like, here's 10 stunt guys. Right. Like, how do we recreate this with 10 people? Right. You know, and some extras and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, and there was just constant problems. There's just nothing but problems in when you're put in that kind of a situation. Sure. And uh, fortunate for myself and because of, I think, the martial art training, I was never fluxed by it. I was never, you know... Why, what am I gonna, why, do, why do you think that is? What what is it? What does martial art do for for you that that helps helps you to stay balanced in? That's a great question. Everyday mo moments like uh, that, that you come across at work and in just well, I can, in life. I in can general. tell you from a from a physical level um, when you're. <laughs> When you're punched and kicked in the head <laughs> thousands of times, uh, something like that kind of a problem seems kind of silly yeah. to, to you. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, but obviously from a more metaphysical, uh, there's you are trained in martial arts to deal with high-stress situations. Um, and, and again, lucky for me within the training that I did, we trained with SWAT teams. We trained with uh, like one of the masters in, in my system was he worked with the Burbank SWAT team hmm. and would literally teach them close quarter combat uh, techniques. So then we would ha benefit from that because we'd get to go and train with the sure. SWAT guys. Oh, and my black, my, f I mean, it was my first or second degree black belt test. I think it was my second degree. The uh, like the head guy from the SWAT team put on the full gear, mm. like like not SWAT gear, but gear that maybe basically made him like indestructible, right? And just came at me with everything he could. No kidding. And I had to try and serve. The survival was my right. <laughs> the final part of my test. And right. he was a mean mf for this guy. <laughs> he and he was huge, of course. I'm not a big guy, so anybody who's over six foot is huge to me. So and he just was clobbering me, and I right. had to just survive it. Yeah. You know, I was kicking him as hard as I could, and he had the nice pads everywhere. Sure. Is that uh, the like the dog suit? Yeah, it's it was like, totally like the dog suit. That's exactly what it was. So I could punch and kick and do anything I tr right. anything I wanted, and he just was like a bulldozer yeah. just coming at me. But so you know, and that's that's one of many things. And then once that was done, they'd let him out, and then another guy would come in, and you know that round robin thing. Oh, I hate it. Now he's got to fight hate you. It. Oh my god! And he wasn't the big SWAT guy, so that was a little bit better. But then mm -hmm. you're tired at that point, and then another, <clears throat> and then another, and you know the just fresh like, ones coming in, oh, like getting jumped lines. into the oh, gang. Dude, it really <laughs> yeah, is. <laughs> it is. It really is. It really is. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and there's that, and then there's the philosophy behind it. They're teaching you, you know, if you're lucky, uh, you find a school where 
they're working on your brain, not just the physical parts right. of it. And right. um, for people who are interested in the UFC and all that stuff, you hear about, you know, fight IQ. Um, and it's it's really um, you know, people that are are assessing the situation, not just reacting. Uh, fight IQ can be how you are reacting as well, but it's about they're thinking. Right. Mm-hmm. They're constantly thinking and adapting. That's when you see someone who has a high fight IQ. Right. And so there's ways to train for that. And there's ways to to work on your brain mm-hmm. for that. And I think those are, like we said, can be applied to everything. So uh, do, you, do you watch MMA? I do. Yeah. Yep. So who do you think has a really good fight IQ? Well, George, the... George St. Pierre is one of the best ever. My yeah. favorite for that. of all time. Yeah. His fight IQ is insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and he was one of those people that would beat people at their own game yes so whatever their strength was that's yeah. what he trained for and to, yeah, he would to take look... dudes down and grind them on the ground <laughs> yeah if they were down. you the know best, best the they best they were the best wrestler. wrestlers ever yeah, you'd and be like, he oh, would yeah. out wrestle watch this <laughs> yeah. here hold my beer <laughs> and then <laughs> then he would take somebody else and he would literally win with a jab yeah you know and maybe to the to the to the you know uh I don't know how to describe it, but more just an everyday fan. Mm-hmm. They might have gone, no, that's kind of boring. He's just, I'm going, it's the most brilliant thing I've ever seen. Yeah. He literally has de- deconstructed this guy with a jab. Yep. A guy who's an amazing boxer, right. considered the one of the best boxers in the game. And here is George St. Pierre literally took the most simple of, of moves, but one of the most highly underrated and, yep. you know, boxers like win all the time. Tree, man. Yeah. yeah. So he's he's a great example. Um, Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva, yeah. the the spider. He was amazing that way too, and yeah. he would get into people's heads psychologically. Uh, same with like Conor McGregor does that uh, like nobody else. Mm-hmm. He does. um, doesn't always work as we saw. Well, yeah. hey man, yeah. have you seen the well, shift in him? Yeah, he yeah. started oh, yeah, yeah. working with Tony Robbins. Yeah, and he's yeah. Like yeah. Zend out I'm interested and all to see stuff. where what this next phase of Conor McGregor. Uh, I would love to see him fight Khabib again. I think Khabib is one of those with a really high mm-hmm. fight IQ. He just he enforces his will. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. just it, yeah. this is what I'm going to do. I'm telling you, I'm going to do it, and he does it. And right. it's just every keep everybody keeps dismissing his hands too, which I just think is so funny because <clears throat> no, he's not pretty. No, he's not a great boxer, but he's got that power to to sit you on your butt. Uh-huh. Maybe it's not going to knock you out. Right. But we saw him. He sat. Well, he dude, sat we, Connor right on his did. butt. We know the Diaz brothers. Oh yeah, pepper you just yeah. at, oh, yeah. at sixty percent, sixty percent. They can also put you, know you on your butt too. <laughs> they can. Like I remember uh, uh, Nick. Um, everybody's like, "Oh, he never knocks anybody out," and then he went and knocked the guy. That the very next <laughs> fight, he knocked the guy out. And but he really did train power for that fight. Right. Like he was really focused. I'm trying to remember who was teaching him, who was training him. But they just they worked on power. Uh-huh. They worked on taking his technique because it's all there. He's got right. beautiful technique. Both yep. the Diaz brothers do. Um, I worked on a UFC video game. I've done a bunch of motion capture as well through the stunt world and then ended up doing performances, uh, full performance as well. So I got to voice some characters on like games like Call of Duty and stuff. But uh, the UFC games, the DI's brothers would come in. So I got to converse with them a couple times. More more Nate. Oh, okay. I got to speak with Nate and stuff. And uh, they're, both of those guys, um, 
their technique is really solid, even though they make it look like oh, it's nothing. They make yeah. it look like they they're not really throwing do. anything, but it's, but no, it's all, yes. it's, that's part of their, their game plan. And yeah. it is actually really cool to watch. Like I enjoy so, watching them. Tell us some more about this uh, motion capture thing. What, what, no, what is that world like? So motion capture, uh, for people who don't maybe necessarily know what it is, it's, it's done for video games, also for movies like Avatar, you know, James Cameron used, uses this technology and actually pushed this technology forward. Uh, tremendously uh, by doing the Avatar movie, uh, and now he's pushing it again, doing the new Avatar movies. Okay. Um, funny, funny story is I was actually doing the very first UFC Undisputed game okay. in the same studio that when th- that they were filming some of the Avatar stuff. Wow! And the first Avatar, and <laughs> I remember us looking at what they were doing. And we were all kind of joking with each other, like, what is this, seven-foot blue people? Like, has James lost his mind? What is he doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. Avatar. Yeah. Yeah, we're like, oh, boy. Should have tried to jump on that production. Uh, but, no, it's uh, – so it, it's this pro- – motion captures this process where, you, you know, people may have seen it on the internet or whatever, where you wear these, like, spandex suits mm-hmm. with a bunch of markers on them. They're these little reflective mm. – balls yep. that uh, are all over the body and they they basically there's infrared cameras in the studio space um so there's sometimes there's like 300 cameras and wow. they're 360 degrees around you and they're infrared so what happens is they are capturing those reflective markers that are on you oh, wow. and we wear them on the face as well um I did one project so where it I had like expression and all captures that. it all. They get it on your lips, your eyebrows, your nostrils, like the whole thing. Really? And there's, I think I had like 120 markers on my face at one point. Um, Is that how they did Gollum? Totally how they did Gollum, and and they did camera reference as well. So they'll put a little camera, it's like on a helmet, mm. and it's looking back at the oh, actor. Okay. So then they, the animators go in there and they can see every expression that they're making, and they match it if it didn't pick up the data perfect. Got it. Because that happens a lot. The data is not perfect, so you got to give credit to these animators as well. You got to give credit to the actors, but also the animators that go in there and they fix and they tweak and right. uh, they really—it's this combination of of uh, work that becomes that performance. Wow. Um, but yeah, so then th- those those dots essentially, if you look on the screen and see them, it kind of looks like a, a skeleton without the person under there, and that's exactly what it is. They take that data and then apply it to a virtual character like a golem. He's got a virtual skeleton, mm-hmm. and those data points are attached to his skeleton that's moving, the wrists, oh. the fingers, everything. And then now, once you once you plug that data onto that skeleton, it's going to do exactly Every what the person did. Every time that's doing that yeah. motion, because that like those, how those... many different motions are you are are you running somebody through so that you get the the total catalog of their expression and movement so it is it's actually the way it's done is is very much like live action now and you can see everything in real time so for example when we're out there shooting a call of duty game for example it's a world you know it's a it's a war game yeah so you're out on a battlefield there's tanks and there's different things we actually have this monitor that you bring into the volume into the the stage and you hold that monitor up and for example uh you know if you were in the motion capture i hold that up and now you're this guy in the military you can see it it. and you go over there and we've we've built up this out of scaffolding and pallets and different things Hmm. they've built it to scale to match a tank so you go over here oh and that's the tank and you can go and run and jump on the tank and all of that so it's done in real time and then this is what they do there is catalogs of moves that they do 
for idols and stuff like that for video games that, that you don't really do that for movies but they do do they do it to a degree because sometimes they're gonna you know maybe for some big stunt if it's an avengers movie or they're gonna fly iron man through the air they'll catalog different moves and things like that mm-hmm. but they shoot it real time because they want it to be real wow. they want it to be uh even on the video games even call of duty there's this big action scene happening even though you might be controlling the guy you're controlling you're shooting and firing at these guys they really film all that so that is so cool. You know, uh, let's see. I've fast roped it off. I've fast roped off a helicopter. Of course, it wasn't a real helicopter, but I really fast roped. Yeah. You'd go, why can't you just fast rope three feet and they can just extend it? No, they want you to right. fast rope 30 feet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's that kind of thing or falling down an elevator shaft uh-huh. or, you know, crashing on a motorcycle. Right. We don't have a real motorcycle in there, but they mock one up. And they drag me across the floor, and then I hit a hit a uh, uh, you know the obstruction that they placed there, and boom, I get flown off the thing, and I'm tumbling across the ground, and they're capturing all that stuff for real. It's not hmm, that is you know, cool, man. Yeah, and then they'll manipulate it in in, po- in, in the animators might have to do something more. Maybe they make me do an extra flip or mm-hmm. something to look extra cool. Or, right. Um, How did you get into that world? So that world again, more so through the stunt side of things. Um, but it's it's an audition process just like any other acting gig. Uh, the very first one I showed up to um, uh, was – I was so not right for the role. It's not even funny. Uh, but it was a stunt coordinator friend of mine who called me up and said, hey, you know, we need people that are good with motion. Uh, so why don't you show up for this audition? And I ended up showing up. <laughs> And it was for like the character was like a six foot two uh, <laughs> mountain man with the big old beer belly and the whole nine. And I look at my buddy and I'm like, and of course everybody matched that. Sure. That was there for the audition. I'm like, I'm five eight on my best day, and I'm and I depending just on don't, your hair, right? right? My hair exactly. I don't. This doesn't. You know. I, and he goes, just do the audition. And at that point, it probably was a blessing because I didn't care anymore. Uh-huh. And I literally did a Chris Farley impression. I'm doing my, like, down by the river. I'm adjusting the pants, and I'm shifting my weight back and forth. And I think I made the casting people laugh. Right. And then they gave me the kick. Oh, gosh. And dude. and so I basically did a Chris Farley for, for most of that character. I, right. of course, toned it back a little bit. But um, <laughs> so that was my first game that I ever did. And uh, it was a blast. And. And of course, that then led to uh, the same people, I believe. Oh, yeah, it, w- it was them. They did the Secret Service game, and um, it was like a B or C title. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was called like Secret Service, I think. And and so I got to jump in there and play Secret Service agents. And of course, that was really fun. Yeah. And then I think that led into um, I think I did one other game, and then I got uh, an audition for World at War, which was the the first Call of Duty game that I did, and that was the first one that did zombies. So I'm, oh, I, dude, I did a I bunch of the one. zombie stuff. So if you played zombies, you're, yeah. you're killing me a bunch of times. <laughs> dude, I have to, my <laughs> son will love that this. really <laughs> cool, man. Uh, and of course, not just myself. We have a core team of people. There's like yeah. six or seven of us that did all the zombie work and stuff. Um, but yeah, that was a total blast. And then at that point, I started knowing some of the, the game makers a little bit better. And right. um, so just getting those phone calls. Yeah. Are you available on these dates? Right. And that now, kind are, of they, stuff. are they tapped into the Screen Actors Guild and all that? Just like, is, is it? And so yeah, I think more of them are AFTRA, but of course that then merged. So yeah, it is tapped into that. But it is actually kind of a, still a gray area because if you're talking about residuals, um, it's one of those things that is they don't air anywhere. Right. Right. So how do you do a residual? And this is a battle that SAG has been waging. There was mm. strikes um, that, that went on and I didn't 
go and work on a game at that time because because of sure, that. Sure. Um, but it it was. Uh, you know, there's definite, uh, it, I think it needs to be figured out because these people are working really hard on this stuff. I know from personal experience, I've, I have literally kept my chiropractor in business, mm-hmm. uh, from working on games. Mm-hmm. Like I really, I blew out my knee on one game, uh, had to do this thing where I ran up a side of a wall, came flying at this other guy, no, no wires or anything. And by the time I got to that fourth or fifth step up the wall, which of course a little, little inside secret, it was slightly slanted. Oh. Right. But, but I'm running up the side of the wall and then I leap down to this guy and I got to tackle him or whatever. And, uh, the third take, fourth take, I just, my knee went sideways. Right. I, mm. I'm supposed to land on both feet, but actually the director wanted me to do something different in the air, mm-hmm. which then just made me cut, like slightly, just slightly off. And I came down on that knee and it boom, just popped out. Boink. Um, but I mean, we, the everybody i know so many of the guys and gals working on on this stuff they're they're giving it their all mm-hmm. um and like i said we're really doing this stuff it's not oh it's cg it's, I mean, it's a like a computer movie it's, it's basically like a, movie. a movie yeah, yeah. It, it really is and well i think that's a very interesting conversation sean because no it doesn't air however a, a royalty uh you uh records record sales it should be off of sales yeah i mean if yeah. downloads you know Some that's sort of, something trackable and they, and they are working on that and they and here's the deal i think streams because they, they can track streams of the people yeah. play live yeah, not according to like netflix that. what they did was i think the deal <laughs> they they structured was for voice actors i think that's what it boiled Got down similar. to so i think i think though still the guys like in my position and even even just uh even some of the the <clears throat> acting stuff where because they'll hire guys to act or gals to act but don't aren't the ones doing the voice like it's it's you know uh, I played Ray Liotta I did all of Ray Liotta's locomotion for for and and face capture I did it all but of course he voiced it sure um uh, I was going to say, I was hoping that you said you voiced it too, because I'd love to hear your Ray, Ray Liotta right <laughs> You know, I don't know how to do a Ray Liotta, but I actually was going to, I was actually going to do Joe Pesci. This is no joke. Really? Uh, he didn't end up doing it, but I had to, I was studying for a couple weeks. I was trying to get all his mannerisms mm, right. to try you and still match have it. it. No, I don't oh. know. I can do some stuff like. Uh, Come on, do it. Uh, oh, am I clown to you? <laughs> is this your pin? I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's, that's good. really uh, good. But uh, there was, I, I was getting it pretty good. I, I even did. Uh, who did I do that was just so random? Oh, uh, Danny Trejo. Oh gosh. So I for I, for like I watched Machete like uh-huh. twenty mm, times yeah. in a row, just trying to get all his his. He just his body motion mm-hmm. and the way he holds himself and stuff and I had to do the same thing for the UFC games so okay. I, I got to play George St. Pierre and, and oh. BJ Penn Wait, what uh, area, cool what area did you do because I recorded um, Rogan Oh um, yeah, Mike. Uh, yeah, yeah. I did Joe Rogan's body. Like I did, did all of that. Yeah. Um, I did it in 2010. That is nice. I did uh, Undisputed 2010, I think, and then I did 12, or maybe I did 12. You did the mocap. What? Did you do the motion capture? No, no, no. I oh, I recorded like the voice. Boss oh, they're, they're voices. Yeah. Sitting yeah, 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 there yeah. calling yeah. calling the sports and yes. So I them. I did Undisputed like one, <laughs> two, and cool. three. Oh, okay. I, I and I, I don't know if they were called one, two, or three, or if they had the years. Yeah, yeah. But I think it was two thousand ten. Yeah. I think I did that I'm one. Pretty which sure. I think that one was three. I think that was a th- maybe that was the okay. second or third one. That's the one I was uh, got to hang with Nate a little bit. Oh, very cool. Um, but I yeah. hung with Joe, and I mean at that time, uh, I didn't appreciate him like I do now. Well, and, he and wasn't so, who he is. 
This is I mean, true. He's he was the more same of a com- guy, of course. More of a commentator only yeah. ba- back then. Well, but... stand-up comedian m- mostly, but yeah, the, he was podcasting back then, though. Yeah, it just was tiny compared to what it is. Man, now. look at his podcast now. I, I, I listen to it all the time. Same. <clears throat> I actually listen to it while I'm running. Did I, do you know how much he makes a year on his podcast? A year? No, I heard an episode though. Thirty million a year, <laughs> really? Just on this podcast. It's now, now where is where is he? Because I know at one point he was the like number one listened to. Pretty podcast. sure he's close to the number yeah, one. Yeah, he's right got to be top there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, along with a lot of the true crime ones that are yeah that yeah, are really yeah. popular. I love. But... By the way, guys, I love podcasts. That's cool. awesome. I, I survive on podcasts because I actually live down in Orange County. Uh huh. So you got to and I'm up here all like oh, five yeah. days a week. Sure. So podcasts save my life. Nice. <laughs> it's that, and uh, <clears throat> of course, Audible. I do too sometimes, but which are the mostly, books, right? Audible yeah. is yeah. books. Yeah. But it's mostly I do podcasts, and then I got this app. Um, I've had a couple of them, but I got this app that reads you scripts. Oh, mm. well, it reads Please. you PDFs. What is it? <clears throat> this one's called Natural Reader that I do. You're on an iPhone. Yeah, okay. iPhone. I think it's. I think they have it on Android as well. They definitely have apps for it, but I think Natural Reader's on both. Um, but it's. Uh, I mean, it's like Siri reading you a script. Yeah. So it's kind of like. <laughs> yeah. But but I, I'll say this. Like she's, when, she's got no no training at yeah, all. No training. <laughs> no training. So, but I mean, you can do different. You can put different voices, but sure. they all have that kind of robotic thing. But <laughs> when I show people it, most of them are like, I couldn't listen to a whole script this way because, of course, they're saying the page numbers, and it's yeah. like. Mm. Ext, uh, yeah, right. Mall, it's, it's, you know, yeah, yeah, night. exactly. Interior, night, yeah, house. 56. <laughs> and you're just like, what? But after 10 minutes, I you're getting you, it. you forget you're getting all that. I'm, I'm just, yeah. I'm just hearing yeah. the story and I'm doing, and it literally saves my life because, uh, I'm, I, I'm very grateful and, and humbled to be in a position. I, I haven't made it huge or anything like that, but I'm working, I'm doing, uh, uh lucky to do a lot of shows and, and movies yeah. and, I'm getting sent a lot of scripts to consider, and that's so flattering. I never dreamed I'd be in this position, but there's just so many of them. It's a, I don't have time to physically read them. Right. So uh, that's a re- been a really great thing for me doing that two-hour drive because it takes me two hours to get to like Warner Brothers from from where I live right. so with traffic. What wh- what what do you think it, you attribute to? You say you're not, you know, maybe at the level of some huge directors or or whatever, but what do you think you attribute to being where you are, where you are a working professional in this industry? I mean, obviously, I've got a list of all the different things that you do right in front of me. Do you think that's part of it, just being willing to do whatever it takes? Okay, so, yeah, I can speak to this. Uh, When I first moved to L.A., like I said, my wife, you know, I love her to death and Thank God she <laughs> convinced us to do that, mm-hmm. um, like on a whim. And uh, when I first got here, I was doing whatever jobs I could. I, I was a personal trainer for a while, mm-hmm. and I trained um, a producer, um, and he was doing some big, big stuff. Like he's one of the co-founders or of uh, co-creators of Twenty Four and mm. the Fast and the Furious fan- franchise. Which, by the way, I told him the first Fast and the, F- the Furious looked like a dumb movie to me. <laughs> <laughs> And he still likes you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he still liked me. He did. He actually respected my opinion, which is funny. He did tell me he was going to tell Vin Diesel that, though. And I was like, no, don't tell him. Don't tell him. Um, but uh, uh, he was very influential on me as far as what you were just speaking of. And that is he told me, you know, I told him my aspirations and all those things. And he said, look, if you want to make it in this business, and he recognized it right then. He's like, it is changing daily. Right. He's like, what you need to do is... 
he told me he told me a couple things, but one that stuck with me, and I repeat this, it's a mantra of mine. It was diversify or die. Mm-hmm. He wow. literally said that nice. to me. He's like, don't That's turn really down a good. job. He's like, you really want to be in this business, learn everything, mm-hmm. and it's going to only help you with uh, your ultimate goals, which are directing. Right. You know, and I like to write, produce, direct. Like those are the things. And I've acted in my day. I've done it. I do cameos, and mm-hmm. that's fun. But, but really, the I think the directing is my my main passion. And and he was right because I've done everything. I I I've been the coffee runner. I've I've done that in more than one place. I did that uh, for Drew Carey on a show, and I had some editing skills because I also do that stuff in visual effects. And I put that on my resume. And, but I didn't care. I'm like, I'll be the coffee, I'll be the coffee guy. Sure. Why not? I I didn't have anything else going on at that Mm -hmm. time. And I said, yeah, let's do it. Within one week, I was a uh, visual effects artist on the show. (laughs) And then by the next week, I was a lead visual effects artist and the uh, green screen consultant for for everything green screen. And And, and the show was entirely on green screen. (laughs) Who who recognized that and got you? Uh, So what it was is, and and this was a big lesson for me and, and the same producer who gave me that sage advice also told me that television if i'm a hard worker which he already recognized me as that from Mm. just our interactions it's like if you can apply the same hard work television is somewhere where you can move up rapidly Mm. because deadlines are so crazy with television right Right. Mm. and most of the time most shows people are behind they're Mm -hmm. just behind 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 so if you're that person who always says yes and willing to work hard, willing to stay late, you will progress fast. And that's exactly what happened at that show was they were behind like crazy. They came to me desperate saying, we saw on your resume, you said you do After Effects. Does that mean you can rotoscope? I said, absolutely. Mm-hmm. They said, can you do some of these shots for us? I go, sure. They gave me a handful of shots. I turned them around like in an hour or maybe two. <clears throat> and they went, okay, we're going to give you these 100 <laughs> other shots. Uh, okay, great. And so I did all of those. They get, what else can you do in After Effects? Like, oh, I can try this. I can try that. Did the stuff. Like I said, that very next week, I was just a full-blown VFX artist on the wow, show. Man. And then they discovered that I could do green screen. Like, you ever done green screen? I've done a ton of green screen. Of course, they were just for my own short films right. and things like that. But I, I started pulling the key and, and doing copying the shots. And they're like... Okay, you're going to be our green screen guy. And the entire show was shot on green screen, wow, by the way. Man. So then I got pulled into the live filming of the show because it was like a whose line is it anyways thing. And so I got pulled in that and I had to capture all the the green screen stuff live and and try and do these effects, you know, uh, that get them at least tempt like right, right then and there. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a great experience. I learned so much wow. in that. Um, and then I went from that to, uh, uh, robot chicken with uh, Seth green, which by the way, shout out Seth green, because I think he's totally underrated dude in this business. And he's one of my favorite people of all time to work for. Nice. Absolutely. Seth green. Seth green is so rad. And I, now that I'm going into the directing stuff more, He's always in my thoughts when I'm writing and when I'm casting. Uh, Wheels of Fortune, I wanted him to play Noodle. Oh, really? Yeah. It didn't wow. work out. Yeah. Like I don't even think we were able to put in the offer to him because he was on something. He had com- conflict in schedule right. when we talked to his agents or whatever. I'm like, dang it. Yeah, I, so, yeah. I so want to work with him uh, for sure. Again, I would love to pay that forward, put him in an awesome role somewhere. Right. right. Um, but, but anyways, so... Uh, yeah, I kind of rolled into, I did TV for several years doing editing and visual effects, which then that just, you know, 
I think that helped me so much as a director, like understanding all those ins and outs, which then I went from that to that show Deadliest Warrior, where I was, I got tired of being in a dark room for 16 hours a day staring at pixels. Yes. Like that was like, whoa, I'm, I'm, I can't do this for my whole life, but Mm -hmm. invaluable uh, uh, learning experience and, and just tools in the toolbox. It it actually took me to Lucas. It took me to Lucasfilm. Wow. Like, honestly, we, we went to Lucasfilm because we did Star Wars specials. George came out, uh, did voices. Mark came out. Mark Hamill came out, did voices for us. And uh, then we got to screen it up at Skywalker Ranch and uh, hang with Lucas for a day. I was mm-hmm. my, I'm a huge Star Wars nerd, so that was like, you cool. know, that was bananas for me. He gave me a lightsaber. He gave us all lightsabers. But when I tell the story, I'm like, George Lucas gave, <laughs> gave me a lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, all like a hundred of us got lightsabers, right. but, um, and, uh, that was a wonderful experience. And then I, I actually got to do some work with them through, um, some of their novel series that they were releasing. I did a bunch of promotional, mostly for online stuff, okay. but I still was getting to do lightsabers. And I actually, at one point had a line to, to Lucas film where I could call or email and say, Hey, can I get this image or that image? And they would send me really? all these footage or stills or whatever I wanted to help do the promotions for the books and mm-hmm. stuff. Be like, do you have the can- Moss Eisley Cantina, but with nobody in it, I'm going to put the authors in there. Like I'm going to film them on green screen. I'm going to comp them into the cantina. Wow, dude. And they're like, sure. Yeah, we can do that for you. And they would send me this footage. I'm like, I can't believe that wow. they just have this stuff. You yeah. know? And of course they made me sign my life away that sure. if it ever saw the light of day outside of that, yeah. they would sue the shit out of me. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yes, but, they yeah. would. Yeah. But so it was a great, great experience doing all that stuff. And, and then that, uh, I said, okay, I'm in a dark room for 16 hours a day. Let me get back out there. And, uh, um, that's when I started leaning more into the stunt side of stuff. Hmm. Um, and, uh, went and did a stunt gig with a buddy and the stunt coordinator, Noel Vega, who is a very, very good friend of mine. And we've probably done now in the neighborhood of 50 projects together. And that's not an exaggeration because 38 of those are video games. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> He's the one who, who, uh, who first called me to those auditions. And, um, uh, so it was the first project I ever did with him and I was just a stunt man, but a lot of times the coordinators will go, Hey, can you guys put, put together a little fight for us? We need you guys to, to fight this girl, blah, blah, blah. Let's see what you guys can do. And, uh, lucky for me, the other guy was like, eh, I don't really know how to do this stuff. I'm, I'm like, well, I know I can do it, you know? Yeah. So I, uh, and I had done shorts. I had done an action short film, uh, that actually got a bunch of views on YouTube, um, and, uh, so I kind of applied that to this little fight scene sure. and the stunt coordinator went, that's pretty good. Okay. What else yeah. can you do? Hmm. Can you do another little scene for me? I go, sure. Did a little bit. He kept both of them. We used them in the short. And then that led me to, uh, a, a movie. And, uh, I came into double for the same guy. I came into double an actor and, uh, Noel was not only the stunt coordinator, he was also the line producer on that movie. Um, which is an interesting combination if you think about it. Yeah, he's somebody who's a great multitasker as well. Let's sorry, let's not go too far. What oh, is yeah. a line producer? Okay, yeah. sorry. So a line producer, you're basically in charge of the money for a movie. Okay. It's it's you're controlling the the flow of the money, where it goes, who it goes to. Okay. you're making sure that you got the set, you have right, the costumes. Right. Like it's a big job, right? And it's a tough job to do well. And so you're dealing with a lot of zeros at the end of that 
yes. dollar yeah. sign, right? Yeah. And he and he's one of these guys that I have now in the future. I've hired him as a line producer, mm. and because mm-hmm. he's really good, he comes under budget. Like and and he worked on the World War II project with me. He was a line okay. producer on that, okay. as well as a producer, as well as a stunt coordinator. Right, right. Um, wow. And he's he's a jack of all trades too, and it's probably another reason him being like my big brother in this business and 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 teaching me all this stuff. So, right. um, but I went and did that doubling gig for him which was a lot of fun but he was so busy he goes hey can you coordinate the scene today i go absolutely yes sir you know <laughs> uh can do and uh luckily i didn't screw it up now mm-hmm. is this is this, a, is this a can do but in your back of your head going mm, no i i don't know exactly or do you you i wouldn't do it if i didn't think i could do it okay. yeah for sure and there's been those situations where i'm like hey this is you know because especially in stunts you don't want to do anything that's going to risk somebody's safety now do you think mar- the martial arts supported yes this 100 percent. yeah 100 yeah, percent. In, in what way um we so in martial arts uh you learn obviously there's this very interesting philosophy and and i i uh attribute this to my teachers uh for teaching me i believe the right way it's any anything that can hurt someone anything that can heal someone can also hurt someone and it kind of goes back and forth right so yes you learn to hurt people but you also learn to protect people and you also you learn how to throw somebody over your shoulder and just crush them, yep. but you also learn how to throw them and protect them because they're your training partner, right. and you don't want to hurt them, right. right? And you learn how to fall without hurting yourself. You learn yeah. break falls. Yeah. So there's those parts of it that helped, uh, 100% helped me transition into stunts in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I used to do choreography and stuff for uh, demos. We'd go to the fair or whatever, and we'd do mm. a big old demo. That's sure. really where I cut my teeth. That's coordination with, right there. With yeah. fight choreography was yeah, there. Right. We would create these fights, these big old scenes, and we'd do front flips over people, and we're doing all this stuff. Right. So that's where my my choreography and also stage combat with my father, those two things kind mm. of kind of led me into being, I think, being confident with choreography, which is what got me that first you know in with the stunt coordinator, but then. So on that movie that I did, I did the day, I helped him out. It went off without, you know, too many problems. And uh, so the next day he said, okay, I want you to tackle this next thing, which was a much bigger stunt. Right. It was a stair fall with two people. Mm. And they had to fall down like 30, 30 steps. Mm-hmm. So it's a decent tumble. And they got to go end over end. And he made me come up with a plan, tell wow. him how I was going to accomplish it, and, and keep these guys safe. And the first they had to crash through a wall, like go through the drywall, sure. boom, and then tumble down the wow. stairs. And uh, so I gave him the whole thing. I think he gave me a couple of, no, we well, got to do this and that. But other than that, he said, okay, all right, I trust you to do it. So it was one <laughs> of those things. So, and of course he was keeping an eye on me and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but I did it. And after we did that, the guys were totally safe. I worked with the uh, production design and the art department. We actually padded the stairs and covered them with wood paneling. Uh, and also the door jam, which was the most dangerous part of the whole fall, mm-hmm. is if either one of their heads hit that door jam. But we had like two and a half inch closed cell foam around cool. the whole thing. And you couldn't tell. Yeah. The art department was wicked on it. And uh, and that was part of my plan and that I told the coordinator and he approved mm-hmm. it. Um, and then after that uh, day, he said, you're the stunt coordinator. 
Wow. And I was like, what, really? So that was my first stunt <laughs> coordination gig. And of course he helped and he was part of it. Sure, and sure. All of that. But that's really what, what, what uh, kind of started me off that road, which then led to a TV show we did, Deadliest Warrior, mm-hmm. which I ended up uh, second unit directing, which again was because I was a uh, yes person, like, you know, problems, problems can are you do this? And, yes, I can. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it was really to help them make their days. Right. Again, television. Right. They couldn't make their days. I said, look, Myself and the team, we know these fights better than anyone. We right. created them. Yeah. We shot the previs for right. you. Right. We know how to shoot this these fights. If you want uh, help, we're more than willing. We're here. You want to give us a camera, give us a little splinter unit. We can shoot whatever, you know, be action, whatever it is that helps you guys make your day. You tell us and we'll shoot it. So you said and you're I, a yes man, but you're not going to say yes to something unless you feel like you could do it. Right, right, right. So... That leads me back to that old saying that I, I hate this saying, by the way, but that old saying, a jack of all trades, but a master of none. Right, right. So in a lot of ways, you're a jack of all trades, but it's uh, allowed you to really be a ma- Maybe you don't feel this way, but to be a master in in the potential master in this business. Yeah. Right. That I has so I, I many levels. I agree. So. I say throw that saying away as, as something that's negative. I take it negative. Maybe it isn't that. But, you know, there's people out there that they, they have this this idea and they say no to themselves so much. Yeah, yeah. The idea is there for a reason. I right. mean, say yes and just just do whatever you feel is on your mind and go for it yeah. because you never know what it's going to support right. in yeah. the future. If someone might, you're on, in, in your case, you're on a set and they say, can you do this? Yeah, I've done it. Yeah. And you do it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right? And you I, do it to a different level and then that those levels get higher and I, higher. I, I, I've always looked at it like it's, it's, I'm only going to learn from this experience. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, that's right. I'm going to grow from it. Right. And so that's why I think it's, and again, one of those things, if I, if it's a situation that would be dangerous, like, Hey, have you, you, you know, can you wire rig this guy? And I had no experience. Of course I wouldn't do that. Right. Um, uh, because you know, that's, that's would put somebody's life at risk yeah. or, or injury or whatever it is. But yes, it's, it's one of those things of, I, I know I'm going to learn from it. Uh, and like I said, I'll be the coffee runner. I don't care. I went and was a coffee runner after a lot of those experiences. Sure. And of course I moved up within a week as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I ended up becoming an associate producer and all that stuff on mm-hmm. it. But, uh, I'm not afraid of that hard work either. That's, that's the other thing. I, I don't care. I, as long as I am doing what I love, it's not work to me. You know what I mean? Sure. I'm being part of this experience. I'm, I'm meeting people that I wouldn't mm-hmm. have met. Uh, and it really... You know, it's it's that thing of this is what I want to do. So if I'm able to be a part of it in any way, I'm happy. Man, this is this is like bringing one of the things that I have that it's inside me and I need to figure it out. I need to figure out how this works. You can do a lot of shit, (laughs) right? And do it well. Clearly, you're working a lot and people are looking to you to get you to work and doing all that stuff. This is exactly what I'm trying to figure out. How do you are worth your money? Because you know how to do these skills. Right. All of all of it. Right. You could be uh, an instructor, a sit-in instructor at a dojo. Uh, you could be a visual effects instructor. You could be uh, a teacher of directing or producing or line producing or whatever at a school. You could go in there and 
make a curriculum and do all of that. Yep, yep. I want to figure out so bad for me, <laughs> how do I make it that I'm worth the money that I make and not about the one thing that I do really good? You know what I, does that make sense? It's yeah, like, it does. I sit in a studio and I mix. You know, that's my right. job. That's my one, my one thing. Yeah. Well, you also do podcasts. Well, I do also do podcasts. <laughs> I also play in a really good rock oh, band. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. These are, these are things that I'm, you know, I want those types of things to not give me such a local dollar. Yeah, I don't know what. You know, does that make sense it, to it you makes, guys? It makes absolute sense to me because I'm I'm in a lot of ways with you on that. Um, I th I think that any of the times where things have grown for me, and I'm sure you can you can agree with this as as can you, Sean, is when you just you say yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's either you you know it right. So the reason why an opportunity comes to you is because you're prepared for it. Right. I'm no, no one's going to ask you to do anything that you're not probably ready to start doing mm -hmm. so it's really just about opening up your eyes to see to see those opportunities right. um but sometimes you know it's hard to see them when you're not in the right place yeah. obviously you got to put yourself in the right place like being the coffee guy mm -hmm. right i mean if you weren't the coffee guy those opportunities wouldn't come so i guess the uh, the the t-shirt of the day is be the coffee guy. <laughs> I love it. Man. I will be wear that shirt guy. on set. <laughs> I will wear that. And you know, it's, good, it's also, I think, you know, I think that attitude just helps you in every walk of life. You mm -hmm. know, I, I, I think on, on sets, I'm, I'm adamant about, uh, you know, people not treating anybody mm. as lesser in any way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, extras, PAs, whatever it is, because I've definitely done all of those roles. Uh, and um, I think it's important that everybody's humans and everybody deserves to be treated in a certain way. And I think, sure. uh, you know, that's that's it's such an important important thing to remember you well know? it is why and why that is, is because say say you're on a set and then you're the coffee guy, right? But you have all this, they don't have any idea how much knowledge you have, right? right? Yeah, yeah. And you treat that coffee guy like you think you should treat a coffee guy, but that that guy may be directing a film in, in a month. In in Hollywood, that happens so, daily. Yeah. So daily. why yeah. not treat people yeah. with respect? It's yeah. that way in every industry, though. It really is. Music is that way as well. Mm -hmm. I remember this one time I played this gig at uh, the House of Blues before they tore it down, the one on Sunset. Oh, yeah. And the engineer, the tech guy, was such a jerk. He was such right, a jerk, right, right? Right. And you know, we're not we we weren't a real popular band, but we certainly drew a big crowd there, mm -hmm. and we were part of this battle of bands thing. And you don't know who I am, yeah. and you're treating me like that. You yeah. honestly have no idea who I am. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Let's say it's let's say it's uh, Mr. Kreppel here, right? And and you're there at the House of Blues, and he's treating you like that, but yet you did a movie with Kobe Bryant, uh -huh. right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like you don't know who you're talking to. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, in this is moment. actually this is a great conversation right here because this is where uh, what I'm going to call it black belt control yeah. comes into play mm. for somebody like me, yeah. somebody yeah. like you. Is if I'm getting that vibe from somebody, mm. I'm going to go up to that guy and say, "Hey, man, what can we do to get this straightened out?" You know, because clearly something's not going right for you. You know, did I do something wrong? Did I put my amp on 
song, you know, in the wrong spot. Yeah. Oh no, you know, it turns into the same guy, right. your bully guy. He's yep. like, no, 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 everything's cool. So and you at call that them on point, their shit a little bit, basically. Yeah, yeah but, but in a respectful way. But in a respectful yeah. way. If I came with my my Velociraptor <laughs> neck neck gaiters out like this, going. <laughs> Yeah, if you they're matched, probably yeah. If if, if his... I went at him like yeah. he was coming, but um, um, that was something that I wanted to remember to bring up is uh, the black belt control. When you ha- you do have to when you're training um, in the martial arts, you do have to be able to go at full speed. You do have to be able to do that to, to know be, able to be ready to do that. Is that what you mean? You no, know, you do have to go full speed. Like you you have you can't just constantly be working slow technique you got to be able to put it into real-time speed i get right but what what sean uh i think very uh eloquently put was the protection the black belt control is yeah you get kicked in the head and you get punched in the face and you know you get kicked in the liver and um you know inside leg kicks probably gonna last for Mm. last for a while (laughs) ouch right (laughs) But at the same time, you know that what you're going through, you're not going to hurt, hurt the person that you're training with, right? You're throwing, you got your sparring gear on, you're throwing your, you know, bop, 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 you're going through the stuff, but also protecting people, knowing, um, I remember very clearly one time, um, we were sparring at the, at the MMA gym, um, and I had, I had come forward and I threw, um, uh, it was a, a drill we used to do where you would go counter to what you would normally do. So like you're doing oh, right, a, right. a change of speed, like you double up on a jab and then follow up with a uh, with a straight right. Instead of going jab, jab. straight, yep. jab, right. you're like, oh, boom, 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 like this. Mm-hmm. I managed to do it correctly once, <laughs> and I had my, my partner off balance so much that all I did is I stepped forward, left round kick up, and I just pulled it back instead of blasting him in the head. That's just a great example for people listening. Mm. Um, what control is? I could have right, right, wrapped mm. my my foot around his head and knocked him down, but you realize at that moment, okay, I don't need to do that. I had it. Yeah, yeah. I did it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, that's uh, uh, black belt control is something I think that um, Sean clearly knows how to do. Like with people not just a physical nature but like an emotional it's really thing. interesting how it translates yeah. it, it's really really it's it's there's a calmness yeah there's a, a confidence um we just actually interviewed my um my good friend professor anderson yeah um very interesting guy i call him the world's most interesting man the, like the real guy not the <laughs> dosakis guy he's great <laughs> he's traveled the world um certified Super by the gracies to teach uh jiu-jitsu and um he uh he's done a lot and he's very well respected in the um in in the martial arts world and he he was talking about some of the things about like what what the knowledge brings for you and how you get to you know kind of choose your uh how how would you call it choose like the things that are important to you like do i need to have that be a problem for me Mm. no i don't i just kind of turn and go oh hey i'm gonna pick a grapefruit instead of talk to this guy who's being a jerk to his kid you know what i mean you kind of that's 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 what i i try and iterate when i'm telling people about martial arts Hmm. like or people that are interested in getting into it it's a lot of times i think it is more about 
maybe the teacher. It's not about just the teacher, of course, but it's about your response to them. Like if you feel like uh, that teacher's inspiring or whatever it is about them that you're going to learn from them. It's almost not the martial art itself. Right. Um, Of course, that does have something to do with it. But uh, don't you think you're solidifying the wisdom with an action? Right. Right. You're like locking those connection, locking those two things together. Yeah. That's what I tell people. You got to go try it out. You got to don't just go to this place because someone said it's great. Go there. Try it. Mm -hmm. See if it fits for you, because if you want to actually stick with it, you've got to have some connection to it. And a lot of times that's through the teachers, the instructors or, you know, maybe it's the school, the way the vibe is, or maybe it's the mix of students. Maybe you want a school that's got 50 percent women. If you're a woman, you you know, you don't want to go into this all male thing. Maybe. Who knows? But but it's also that thing about what martial arts is. And it is about that respect. And it is about that Mm -hmm. thing where, uh, you know. You you uh, you gotta you gotta respect your enemies and and almost even love your enemies as much as as you do your sure. your friends and your training partners. Right. Uh, it's a really interesting and it's kind of a hard concept for some people to wrap their brains around. But the schools that really iterate that and and push that is the ones that I gravitate towards because uh, you know I've been in that situation where um, I didn't pull my kick. And not that I was trying to to hurt the guy, but he just came in at an angle. I didn't think he was going to come in. Mm-hmm. And I was throwing a spinning heel thing in the air yeah. where I didn't have the control that I that I should have at that moment. And it connected on his temple, knocked him out. Wow. There's nothing worse hmm. than knocking out your friend yeah. on accident. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, that was the worst feeling ever. Ever. I bet. And I, I was horrified. I was mortified mm-hmm. and that I didn't have the control in that moment. I was trying to be flashy and cool. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, oh, right. that, that's an ego lesson. Yeah, it was an, yeah. a big time ego lesson. An and ego I lesson. don't think I was a I think I was a brown belt. That's actually one of the most dangerous belts. Yeah. Because they think they know yes. everything at that point. They're getting cocky. Yep. And blah, blah, blah. What's that's, after that? Red is after that? It goes it brown. It depends on the system. Yeah. Yeah. But right. but whatever that level is right before black belt, mm-hmm. I feel is really going to be a dangerous time. Not for everybody, but you'll see a lot of people that get the, into that ego mode. I'm a and, brown belt. Well, I mean, that's, I, I, think, <laughs> I think that's what it comes down to is, is, is ego. Yeah. It is oh, yeah. ego. We bring it back to yeah. the guy, the engineer at the House of Blues. Mm-hmm. It's ego. He's above. He, He's there all the time. He works there. He sees big bands. He yeah. just in- engineered Jason Mraz or something like that. Sure. Now he's got to deal with these low life, you know, <laughs> right. guys battling to play at Warp Tour or something we, like yeah. that. Are we allowed to cuss on this? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so the other lesson that same producer gave me said diversify or die. Stuck with me forever. Yeah. And then never be an asshole. Yeah. Sure. Because you're going to work with those people again, right. especially yeah. in this business. Yeah. I think any of these businesses, music, even if it's music to television, it's the crossover. It's mm-hmm. all the same people. Yeah. Same with sports. It's the same people, professional sports. You're going to see all these people at the parties. Sure. Gonna, maybe yep. you're going to work on Kobe's film or, or yep. wh- wh- what's the guy who just won? Um, he just won an Oscar too, a professional. I think he's a football player. Um, oh gosh, he, his movie just won, just like Kobe won a, an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Anyways, the the crossover is crazy. The, mm-hmm. the industry really entertainment is small, yeah. you know, and and you're gonna you're gonna have to work with these people. Yeah, smart. Well, you know? um, just to um, kind of tie in about the the people and you know working together aspect. Um, Sean and I worked on a film. A movie called Wheels of Fortune, and you directed Which we've that, talked right? about a lot recently. Yes, yeah. we have. Yeah. We had uh, uh, John and Christine mm-hmm. on. 
Um, Brett and Alex talked about it yep. a little bit. But Sean, you directed that, correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And he actually re- acted in it as well. A <laughs> little cameo. Yeah, a little yeah, yeah. cameo. <laughs> um, um, but one thing that I noticed that was uh, a little hopeful feeling is that we had a lot of people in the mix room. Yeah, you you talked about that a little bit with uh, with there Sean was and a team. bunch of people in there, and I was scared to death to have so many decision makers. Yeah, yeah. in one room. Yeah, where I I mean I was sitting there just I literally kind of went well you know it's either gonna go swimmingly or we're gonna <laughs> now sink. why does that why does it it scare people, you well because it could be well no I want it this way ego. Sure, whatever. It's it's a, a a um a creative vision. Got it. You know I what I mean? You. It's, no, it's not like well, I, my way is the best way. Right, it's like right, I right. was thinking when I cut it like this, or when I, you know, when I told him to turn and look like that. You know, whatever it was, the, the vision. Um, it was the greatest session I've had, and I can't tell you how long is to have. I, there was at least eight people in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was. Is that at that's least, a lot more than normal? Uh, I have one sometimes. Usually, like yeah. the director will sit with me. You know, like uh, I'm doing Mickey Kelly right now with um, yeah, with Alex and Brett and Alex are sitting in there, so yeah. it's just yeah. us, you know, and we're all just kind of huddled up and talking about whatever we talk about. But I was so impressed with the 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 ability to have so many cooks in the kitchen, and we killed it. I mean, we put that that mix to bed, and it's done, and it sounds awesome. It sounds awesome. It, it really, really does. does. And it was all of us <clears throat> kind of putting those last little bacon flaps over that you know that yep, burger yep. patty, you know. Yep. So it was pretty cool, and I appreciate that a lot, man. That was. Well, um, I think I think that company, uh, this group of filmmakers, were all very collaborative. Um, it's probably why I got the opportunity to work with them because I'm not that guy who's like, it's my way or the highway. To me, the most creative and beautiful pieces of art come out of out of that, out right. of uh, collaboration. Yes, I have a clear vision when I'm directing. I really do. Mm-hmm. It's not, I don't have, I don't know what I want. Nobody has ever said that about me as a director. I know what I want. Sure. But if somebody comes to me and says, hey, what about this? And I go, oh, wow, well, that's better than what I was going to do. I'm going to go with that. Sure. And I'm going to give them credit. I'm like, yeah. this guy said it. I, I'm, I don't want to take the credit, but this is what we're going to do because it's great. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, Obviously, there's chain of command and stuff like that on set. You don't want it to be just so open that everybody's blurting stuff out. But <laughs> right. uh, I, I am very open. You know, I want to make the best product. Sure. So I don't care if it's my idea. Right. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of times, uh, you know, it, it's smart, too, because the director's going to get the credit. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, hey. David Armstrong <laughs> said that. He goes, yeah. I can't wait to take credit for that. <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly don't try and take credit. For, for those ideas and stuff. But at the end of the day, if it's a good film... Directed by <laughs> yeah, Sean P. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know. <laughs> well, I think the credit, the credit go, the credit goes a, a, a little further, though. If if you have people on a good team and they're contributing to good ideas, those people become team members in future projects. Yeah, absolutely. And, totally. I mean, that's a credit. People want credit, but what's credit? You really want relationships. Yeah. Is yeah. what you really you're want. Bi- you're building relationships. Exactly. You're building. You're building. There's a trust a inside times, there. That's that's pretty pretty awesome. You're building lifelong friendships. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really it, it comes down to that, and you, and you kind of have this uh, family. Um, work family that that you create, and that's why you see so many of these, you know, Seth Rogen, that's what I was uh, say, yeah. Adam Sandler, uh, uh, Scorsese. They they work with the same people. Over I was and over. just gonna say that all the yeah. films that you see, like the Happy uh, Happy Madison. 
production is always... Curb your enthusiasm. Yeah. Same, yeah. same yeah. people that they work with all the time. You know, yeah. Larry David, all that stuff. And when so. you're comfortable, creativity just flows. Sure. So that's, I think, a huge part of it is, mm, you that know, makes me, environment. Yes. Yeah. Weren't you just telling me about that? Which part? The, cake cake uh, and ice cream? What are you talking about? <laughs> Muffins? <laughs> no, I can't remember. Somebody was just talking to me about, um, there's a TED Talk, David Byrne from The Talking mm, Heads. That wasn't me. Talking about oh, I love the talking heads, how your environment affects your your the sound that you make. Mm-hmm. Mm. I was. I thought that was really interesting. I wanted to find that That's TED cool. talk in, in in the songwriting process. Mm-hmm. That's why some artists and bands will they'll go to some remote place yeah. and just create. The one, the one I'm thinking of, Lenny Kravitz has his own spot in a couple places, but he lives, I think, in the Bahamas. He has a uh, an air an airstream that he lives yes. in out there. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Crap, <laughs> you want to know where my spot is? Where is your spot? <sighs> Your jelly jam? <laughs> it's it's on a train going to London from like South London. I was oh, yeah? so creative. Hmm? I could I wrote 120 pages just wow. going on the, the the train. Now I'm gonna have to go out there <laughs> to, to write stuff. This is what you're telling just me. Get on the train. <laughs> hey, no, go, but I really I'll the train. Oh man, I love London. By the way, that was one of my favorite places uh, to to shoot. It was incredible. And then I got the chance to go to uh, uh, Scotland for a weekend. I was like. I want to buy a house out yeah. here. I definitely want to shoot a film out there. It was mm-hmm. incredible, um, but yeah, that I, I couldn't couldn't quite figure out why that was. But on that train, I was like an hour south of London where we were filming, so I would just go. You know, I want to go grab a dinner or something up in London. I would hop on that train, bring my iPad, and I just it was just flowing. Wow, I don't That's know what it was huh? about that. Yeah, it was really. But that kind of became my little Zen spot, I guess. That's cool. What's uh, what's happening now? What's what's on? Yeah, I really, what's on in the really future? think we barely touched the surface of what of, of what's going on. Well, we for got you, uh, but... yeah, we got Wheels of Fortune, like we talked about, mm-hmm. which I am so proud of this movie. And you know, comedy, like we were discussing before, has been kind of in my roots and everything from from early on. Had this best friend who was an amazing, amazing uh, improv mm-hmm. guy. And comedy was just so natural to him. And he kind of brought me out of my shell. And he was so funny that uh, our ninth grade English teacher gave him 10 minutes at the end of like, I think he did it once or twice a week. He would give him, Josh Taylor is, is this friend's name, would give him 10 minutes at the end of the class to literally do stand up. Really, and, 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 or improv, or whatever it was that he wanted to perform. Wow, he, he was an amazing that's... teacher. And then, I, then I got drawn into it. Like I was yeah. terrified to do that at that point, yeah. even though I grew up in the theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this was something new and kind of different, and and uh, for me at that age. And uh, he kind of suckered me into coming and doing it with him, and just through him, he's also who got me into music. Okay. So this guy was just incredible. He's one of those guys incredibly talented. Anything yeah. he touched turned to gold. What's he doing? Do you still have to? He's a musician. Uh-huh. He's in Portland now. He's he, and he's in a band and all that stuff. But he um, has a beautiful family. He went away for one summer uh, with his dad. I think in Idaho, like on a farm in Idaho. He came back three months later. Could play Led Zeppelin, all wow. of it on the guitar. That's awesome. And he's like, Sean, there's nothing to do there. <laughs> I literally play guitar every day. Right. So then the next summer, again, going to his dad's, he comes back. 
He can play drums like you would not believe. <laughs> like everything. Like he drums now in his current band. He's a phenomenal drummer. Right. But of course, I'm just trying to play catch up. And I'm like, how, do, how does the black dog lick <laughs> yeah. go? And I'm, -na 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 -na. You know, I'm just trying to, you know. But sure. that's really just him kind of being so passionate, so just awesome. so right. talented. Yeah, yeah. I was just so blown away by his talent. And, uh, um, uh, the sad thing is we were both going to come down to, to Southern California together and then it didn't work out. He didn't go, but I was like, I'm still determined, but it's, he kind of gave me my dream. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? That's like, so cool. So, yeah. but, um, but yeah, we're still in touch now. I had him write an original song for, uh, one of my movies that I did this movie called the lackey with a great bunch of people. Uh, these guys over at hectic films, uh, Ricky Bird and and uh, and uh, and a bunch of awesome people. Um, Guy Grundy was on that film with us and stuff. But um, we did it for seventy five hundred dollars, and it was an action feature film. And uh, we did it kind of as our, you know, just a passion project, weekend warrior type of thing. Sure. But uh, uh, we literally spent seven thousand five hundred total on this movie. Wow. It was such a great learning experience and. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll never forget that experience. And that really also helped set me up for doing features and, and figuring out problems and, and mm -hmm. all of that jazz. Mm -hmm. But, um, uh, now I forgot what I was telling you. Were using, you use one of his songs. Oh, oh yes. So, uh, I got in and I want I want to use him again in the future. So I, I hit Josh up on like Facebook or something. And I'm like, Hey, I'm doing this movie. Uh, and he had sent me a song that was just him and the guitar mm -hmm. that blew my mind. And it wasn't right for the movie, but I, I but I said, dude, I would just want you and your guitar for this sequence. I'm going to do that juxtaposition with this crazy slow motion action that's going on. It's these guys blowing these guys away wow. like gangster style, mm -hmm. like uh, and and, and the, the soundtracks, the acoustic guitar, the acoustic guitar, so and, him. and it's and it's cross cutting with the main character who is. The main character is this kind of uh, collector, strong hitman guy, and he's trying to leave that life behind because he discovers he has this young daughter. And the woman he had the daughter with, she's heavy into drugs. So this guy goes, I want to do something right in my life for once, mm -hmm. and he wants to help his daughter. And so he's trying to get out of the, the doing what he's doing. Uh, trying to get a real job right. is what's happening in the scene. He's, he's applying for just menial jobs and he's getting turned away at every turn. Well, while that's happening, the job he was supposed to go on is going south for these guys mm. that wanted him to go help them with this job and they're getting blown away. And that's what's happening. It's cross-cutting between wow. this guy trying to get a real job, his criminal friends getting their asses yeah. handed to him yeah. and it's just his voice and the song going on and it's it, cool. it still gives me goosebumps thinking about it and he crushed it <laughs> first version he sent me i was, was like one. <laughs> dude yeah like, yeah so there, there 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 it is that relationships yeah yeah there it is you know and then the day that like you that, get Jason. this large incredibly large you know how you know you know musicians make a good amount oh, yeah. of money by having their songs on films licensing and shows. is incredible it's huge it's I'm, huge i've been really lucky so that that is a gift to yeah. be able to give somebody right there yeah. um let's get into well first of all i want to get before we get into our our uh, random questions um i want to get into what what's out there now that that people can can enjoy that you've 
well, helped in creating. <laughs> well, Deadliest other Warrior, the, of course. Other and, than the video games, of course. <laughs> video games, all the Call of Duties. I tell people if you've you played any of those Call of Duty games, you've shot, killed, right. stabbed, maimed me, you know, <laughs> yeah. stepped on my zombie head. Uh, <laughs> so um, those are probably the biggest things that are currently out. Uh, we just, I've been very lucky. I just had... Um, um, I mean, I don't even know if I can officially say it or not, but two of the, the movies, I won't say which ones they are, just in case, you know. Sure, uh, right. That's smart. Uh, but two of them with the same group of filmmakers just uh, got um, a Netflix deal. So those are coming to Netflix hopefully soon. I'm, oh. I'm hoping summer. Cool. Um, and You uh, have to let us know. Yeah, I, absolutely. One of the, thing about, one of the things about, about what we do here on this podcast, uh, with the exception of just a very few like Peter Facinelli, is that many of the people that, that we talk to, the projects are going on right now yeah. and i i you know me i, I want to be able to well you don't know me but yeah. I, michael does michael you know me yeah. um i i, I like I feel to be like able, i know you a little bit now yeah i like to be able to to see the work yeah i i really want to be able to see the yeah. work um and and some of the folks i'm not able to see the work yeah. just well, yet so Dead, I'm super deadliest warrior you can it. definitely check out i think it's still on itunes and all that kind of stuff okay um, my my seventy five hundred dollar movie is still up on Amazon Prime, so you can go watch it, it anytime. What's that called? Uh, the Lackey. Um, okay. Um, I've got a movie that is premiering at uh, the Chinese Theater in Hollywood on the 29th. 29th. Yeah, a... I, that, I just acted in that one. Uh, I got to play a bad guy in that one. Cool. That was actually a lot. I look at me. I don't get to play bad guys like ever. Um, and that was a blast, you know, that's, that? I think what for that actors, called? Uh, that's called when the fever, uh, yeah. When the fever breaks. Okay. It's a kind of zombie, but it's more of a character piece. So the zombie apocalypse is going on outside and these group of friends, mainly my fault are turning on each other. <laughs> right? <laughs> and one of them gets infected and it's that okay. whole thing. Like, and, and my guy is, you know, uh, for himself and his wife, like he he want he'll he'll throw them all out that door right, if it means right. he'll survive with his wife or right. whatever. Um, so yeah, that was a that's a blast. That's coming out real soon here. Um, I just did uh, this uh, show. Hopefully, it's going to be coming out soon. For Honor uh, is the the title that we just settled on um, for the UK and kind of uh, US uh, release, but it's also going to come out in China as a huge TV show. So it's a very interesting thing. We did a Chinese American co production. And right from the get-go, the Chinese producers and myself, you know, we're making this big, epic, sweeping World War II uh, television show for China. But I was like, hey, we're shooting amazing stuff here. We're flying B-25 bombers. Wow. We're filming on the USS Hornet. Everywhere you turn the camera, it looks like a million dollars. I'm like, can can I make a movie out of this? for the U You guys aren't going to release this in the U.S.? No. Okay, can I do a U.S. feature on this because it's it's – going to be epic. Wow. And uh, they agreed. And so that's, we're working on that. Hopefully that's going to come out soon. That's great. Um, and then I did a TV show called Salvage Marines, which is sci-fi action. It's like Starship Troopers meets oh, okay. uh, uh, Battlestar Galactica or something cool. like that. Uh, I directed six episodes on there. Looks like I'm, uh, I just signed to, again, I'll knock on some wood here. I'm going to go direct a movie uh, here in the summer. Um so, but yeah, Deadliest Warrior you can definitely see. Okay. Um, the Lackey and the Lackey. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> you know, it's kind of like my student film. So take it no, no, for what course, that's worth. Course, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, and uh, but yeah, Deadliest Warrior. I, I second unit directed on the first two seasons, but I also direct fully directed several episodes. Uh, and I played. Uh, I got. 
I jumped in there too, but I played William Wallace, which again, you would never think me playing William Wallace. Sure. I grew out my beard as long as, they had to actually do some extensions and stuff, <laughs> but grew it out as long as I could, had long hair, they painted half my face blue, and, and I went out there and swung swords and, and had a blast. Wow, uh, cool. so, so you can actually see me doing that. Uh, in that one as well. And everybody thought I was like six foot three. And so I'm like, <laughs> that's great. No. Like, hey, Mel Gibson is in six three either. Okay. <laughs> hey, I'm actually uh, working with him on Thursday. He's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm You're working with Mel incredible. Gibson. Yeah. That is so cool, man. I love that. I yeah. love, I want your life. I'm just kidding. Um, all right. So let's get into the random questions and then we'll wrap this bad boy up. Cool. First question is cake or pie? This is pie. preference. All the way. Pie. Okay. Pie all the yeah. way. As a kid, I did not want birthday cakes. I wanted birthday pies. Really? What, yeah. What's your favorite pie? Ooh, that's a tough one. I like lemon meringue. Um, I like banana. I like bananas yeah. for some reason. So banana cream was always cream that was one good. was was many a birthday. It was a banana cream pie. Yeah, yeah. That's that's, that's cool. one of my favorites. Uh, I think I know the answer to this because you 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 made mention to it. But Godfather or Star Wars? Oh God! <laughs> so that's really brutal to have to choose those two. See what you but did. But I have to go for Star Wars. Yeah, yeah I'm a Star Wars nerd. Yeah. Hashtag I have to. I have to, I have to tell this story every single time Star Wars comes up. But my daughter's grandfather, Don McDougal, mixed the the first Star oh, Wars. Wow, that's Crazy. awesome. So that's how he got me into this business. Wait a minute! Didn't they? Then he must have been. Did, did was he a part of the? Didn't he get a nomination? He won. Oh. <sighs> He, wow. he won an Oscar for that. He won the Oscar. Yeah. yeah. How cool is that? Because the only two things it won for was was sound, right? Mm -hmm. And then I don't even think it won for visual effects, which makes no, no sense. No, it was so ahead. I come yeah. on, like yeah. really? <laughs> come on. What won that year? I think it was. I don't even know, but it was. I think editing. I think it won, and sound. Yep. Those were the two things. Which is kind of interesting. There you go. Nineteen seventy-seven. Yeah. It didn't win best visual effects. Right. Like, what yeah. groundbreaking <laughs> still still holds up yeah. to this day it yeah. does yeah um what's your favorite car oh boy that's tough too are you a car bucket uh i am and i'm a motorcycle guy too i like the classics so i am someone who just uh, i have that nostalgia thing so probably does if we just let's just say design wise we'll go for that okay uh 1968 Ferrari Daytona mm -hmm. GT 250. I don't know what it looks like, but the I lines, love Ferrari. The lines so. on that car, just that, I don't know what. If you ever saw Vanilla Sky with Tom Cruise, mm -hmm. he owns a black 68 Daytona GT Ferrari, and it's cool. in that movie. That was a really good movie, by the yeah. way. I did enjoy I that movie. I haven't seen it. Uh, do you know how to salsa dance? Oh, man, I, I know how to fake my salsa dance. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a couple moves. I can, you know, as long as somebody doesn't look at me too long, then I go, oh, he knows how to salsa. Right. And then that's it. Then I'm out of the moves and I got to move on just to like break dancing or something. Right. Hey, coffee guy, you know how to salsa dance? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Yes, I do. Watch. That's oh, good. That's funny. Coffee guy. Uh, let's see. Oh, that's, that's a good one. Let's find out here. How many cups of coffee do you drink per day? This is funny. Um, probably one or two, but they're decaf. Oh. I don't drink caffeine. Really? I can't. I fried my system. So one of the many things that I've done, uh, I was a bartender at tw right at 21. As soon as I turned 21, I was a bar back, and then I mm – -hmm. first I was a busboy, then a bar back. Then right as I hit 21, I was a, a, a bartender for like all of like six or seven months. Uh, but it was at a really busy place. And it was uh, uh, this like multi-level Mexican family style, uh, but kind of a party place too. 
down in San Diego. And uh, it was my tickets would come up in the window, 30 blended margaritas. And like, mm. you know, I'd have a hundred drinks at a time that I was making. Wow. And so the only thing that sustained me was drinking cups of coffee. Yeah. I was like, and just, just nonstop <laughs> for eight hours. You Your know? adrenals were taxed. I think I fried my system. Mm-hmm. So what, well, how do you, why do you say that? Do okay. You, it so, just doesn't affect you anymore. Or? No, no, no. It's the opposite. So I almost had, <laughs> almost had a nervous breakdown one morning drinking my Folgers crystals mm-hmm. <laughs> at like 21. I literally like had a panic attack and so i went to the doctor and didn't know what it was about and we were going through dietary stuff and he's like well how much coffee do you drink a same lot. question mm-hmm. and i'm like whoa well i drink he goes you got to cut it off completely for a couple months you can try and reintroduce it after that and i did i stopped for a couple months and then i every time i've tried to reintroduce it and this is now years and years sure, later sure if i drink i could get away with it for a week i'll start i'll get shaky mm-hmm I'll get really? shaky, yeah. If I have a couple days into drinking caffeine, I'll start shaking. Wow. And it's just, it just fries my system. That's I don't know what it is about yeah. it. But I really don't need it. I don't need it. I, I, I drink the decaf because I actually love just coffee. Yeah, yeah. just the flavor. Same, I love yeah. coffee ice cream. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. like coffee, the flavor of coffee for some reason I really like. And uh, so I still have decaf almost every morning. Well, thank goodness for decaf. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, last question here. Uh, if everyone in the world had to get married when they reached a certain age, what age would that be? Ooh. Wow. Okay. Well, I don't know how to answer that one, but I, I got married at 22. And That's we young. had only known each other a month. Wow. Oh. We shotgun. We went to Vegas. We were crazy kids. Can't believe it worked out. <laughs> it did. Sure. And we got two kids and, and we long, still like know? each other. Uh, 19 years. 19 years 19 married. years married. Yep. Yep. I'm having 21 in July. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. It'll be uh, 19 for me in July. Some veterans but we've been together 25 years, something like that. Right. Long time. I was 22 when we met my wife. When I went, when I met my wife, and we started mm-hmm. dating, but uh, got married when I was 27. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the right age is. I get maybe 25 or something. I don't know. I I would I would actually go into like to the mid 30s to to, to <laughs> say like we're and I'm solely speaking about me. <laughs> when I say this, but we're such idiots at well, in the true. late true. teens in the twenties. I, I uh, would, but marriage is weird, right? Because I don't think you decide to be married when you get married, right? Right. I think the decision to be married happens much later. Yeah. Yeah. When it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point, dude. Right. That's yeah. when you decide. Okay, I'll be married, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right? right? Because right. The, it's like, what are we doing? This yeah. sucks. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And then you, that's when the real decision comes. Because just getting married, <clears throat> uh, it's all it's all romantic and still right. in that really great place. And then years later, it's like, this <laughs> I think, B word, yeah. right? I, I and think, she's saying the same thing. This asshole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's one of those things where if you find somebody that you're okay with them annoying the shit out of you, then yeah. then it can work. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Or, you know, like I think we're both stubborn people in that way. It's like no matter how much, uh, you know, whatever the problem is, we're not going to break up over it. Mm-hmm. We're going to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like that mentality. Jackie like, and I share that. You know, yeah, I could, I could think you're a total prick in this moment mm-hmm. or asshole or whatever, but 
in my mind, I'm not going, that's it. This I want to move. I'm yeah. out of here. Yeah. It's like, we're going to move. We're going to, yeah. we're going to figure out, figure this out and move past it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Sean P. Thanks for coming in. Thank man. you guys. This really? is a blast. Yeah. Total great, blast. Great Love time. being on this show. Cool. We'll have you back. And, and some and projects I, come I'm, out. I'm going to be listening now. I'm subscribing. Yeah. My drive uh, up here is going to be uh, listening to your guys' podcast now. I'm excited. Yeah, that's cool. cool. Yeah, we had some, we've had some great guests. So, And you, you're certainly one of them. It's been a great it's great getting to know you and great conversation. Yeah. And I, you know, it's funny. You never know where they're going to go. And this one went some fun places. So I was, it was a good one. I, I had a feeling. I just told him. I said, look, the... Show starts and it just kind of gains yeah, momentum. I can't. It flew by. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, really, it's time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So well, nice thank, to meet you. Thanks yeah. For being thanks for coming thank in, you. man. Thank appreciate you. it. Appreciate right. it. Later.